Before we begin in today's episode, I want to include this short trigger warning for the episode. Today, we're having a powerful conversation about true beauty, but with that, we will also be talking about body shame and eating disorders. This beautiful episode is happening with Melissa Johnson, who is a wife and a marriage and family therapist and a college course teacher. She is the founder of Impossible Beauty and now an author of her new book, Soul Deep Beauty. Friends, today we will not be doing a Dear Meg segment at the end of this episode. To just a reminder before we jump in, if you are wanting to listen to this episode ad-free, you can do just that all in our monthly bonus subscription. Friends, let's jump into this episode. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the She Lives Purposely podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Before we jump into our conversation for today, could you just share for anybody who doesn't know you a little bit more about yourself, who you are, what you do, all the good stuff? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. First of all, Megan, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really passionate about what we're going to talk about today. So I'm so grateful for this conversation. So I'm a marriage and family therapist here in Minnesota. Um, I'm in the St. Paul area, if people are familiar with with Minnesota. And I I just recently wrote this book, which was an unexpected journey. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, I know. So um, to give a little bit more of that backstory. So a, a part of my work now is the Impossible Beauty podcast as well. And this this idea of redefining beauty in a way that actually brings about fullness of life versus shame and um, disintegration, which I talk about in the book and on the, the podcast uh, on many episodes. I'm excited to talk about, yeah, this conversation today. And today we're basically really diving into authentic and soul deep beauty. And the reason that this conversation is so important is because all around us, I feel like we are given different ideas and ideals of what real beauty is and often it's not authentic and it's not soul deep um these different ideals and standards at the very least i feel like drive insecurity and oftentimes also lead to body shame and eating disorders so i just really want to start there if you could if you would share a little bit of your story body shame and eating disorders they're all too common among women today and i would love for you if you could share your story with us Yeah, definitely. So I was working as a marriage and family therapist, like I said, and I was seeing my own therapist simultaneously. And that therapist, uh, I I was really surprised by this. She told me that she felt it was time for me to stop my work with her and do some intensive work around what she was calling an eating disorder. Hmm. And I think, you know, I I was really surprised. And I think part of it was, you know, probably a good measure of denial but i also think another aspect of this is my struggle was camouflage to me because the practices and the beliefs that i was engaging in were and are i think so normative in our culture um these ideas about shrinking our bodies and you know the more exercise the better the less food the better the more perfect our food the better um and and so i really had fallen into those narratives and as a um recovering perfectionist i kind of fell headlong into those things and so i ended up having to pause my work and actually do intensive work around this um quote eating disorder which i eventually was able to accept and understand Mm -hmm. um and through that, I, toward the end of, of my treatment journey, um, I started to just see 
how this idea of, quote, beauty was actually not beautiful at all and was leading so many women astray and distracting us in ways that I think, you know, if you have a framework, a theological framework for, um, you know, evil in the world, I would say that this is one that evil um, really is fueling and loving um, Mm. because of how it distracts our hearts and our minds from the good and beautiful work that God is inviting us to do. Um, I started to see in these groups that I was a, a part of in treatment that a lot of the beliefs and struggles that were inside of the treatment rooms were actually the same beliefs and ideas and struggles that were in my peer groups in um, you know the commercials I was watching in the media I was listening to um, in the diet culture we are immersed in and so I, I realized that we are swimming in toxic waters and mm-hmm. I, I came out of um, the treatment experience realizing like I, I couldn't not say something because of how these ideas around beauty were and are depleting women and, and men but you know this is such a huge issue I realized that it's you know as a, as a woman myself um, I, I could only, yeah. you know, take on so much um, in terms of my own um, writing and um, engagement with this issue. So all of that to say, I became very passionate about um, what eventually became this idea of redefining beauty and um, kind of starting to peel back the layers and open our eyes and our hearts to how these ideas about, about beauty and body image are actually depleting and disintegrating our, our souls, our relationships. Um, and and I, who I think God has created us to be. And I, I want to say one last thing, Megan, because I, um, I, I want to just make sure that um, I'm not like fueling any shame with this. Yeah. Um, in, my, in my comment about like evil being behind a lot of these narratives or, I, you know, who knows? I'm only human. I don't know to which percentage is um, societal, like consumerism and, you know, which is evil and all of that. I, I guess I want to say that, you know, if you find yourself struggling with, beauty and body image, um, I, I would like to um, hopefully lift a little bit of that shame. I think we have been, um, like I said, I think that this is all on purpose. These, um, this is the agenda of advertisers and corporations yeah. to sell us this broken brand of beauty. And so um, my hope is that um, as, as people, maybe as they're listening, I don't want this to be an additional burden of shame but instead to open our eyes and our hearts to see it so we can choose something different. Yeah, yeah. No, I I love that you talked about that with shame. I feel like shame is something that can so drive us in our lives in such a hard and and very hurtful way. But I love that you said that. And even though maybe it is the agenda of society and even evil behind this, because I love that you said it can distract us from what God wants to do in our lives. Um, And so the evil behind that... I think oftentimes we find ourselves the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, Like the recipient of that agenda. And so I love that you differentiated, like you don't need to feel shame in that, even though there is something that is like, could be evil. And even if it's just societal pressure and the workings of whatever's going on behind that, like there's no shame for that person who is struggling with those things. So I love that you, I love that you differentiated that. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you too, for, for sharing your story. That's a really, you know, vulnerable and, um, open thing for you to do. So I appreciate that. And I know that I'm sure so many women listening do too, and to be able to feel like, you know what, here's somebody, 
else out here who, and I think you call yourself, you say it like a survivor of it. So like somebody on this other side of these things and who's able to pour back out. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Um, so I would love to continue to dive into this. I love, like I said, that you talked about how it distracts from what God wants to do. Um, and two, that it depletes who God made us to be. Like it gives us this other image of it. Before we dive into those two things, which I do want to get back to, I'm making a mental uh, written note down here on my desk. Um, but how do you think that specifically for our purposes here, the American beauty standard originated? Um, and how do the beauty and diet industries really take advantage of women's insecurities? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there are so many layers here. And um, I, I have a hard time knowing which stream because it's so many streams of like sociocultural influence. But I think, you know, I, we have this legacy um, Christy Harrison talks about this in her book, Anti-Diet, where, you know, during the 1800s, mid to late 1800s, we had some Im immigrants coming into America, and so the, um, the aristocratic classes or the higher classes wanted to differentiate themselves from the sturdy immigrant, and so they, um, this idea of thinness becoming an indicator of social status mm -hmm. um, began at that time, and then with this, I, I always like to talk about the rise of advertising as well, because I think that that is a huge piece of this. Um, I think it was, I'd have to look back, but I think like the 1930s, I believe, where there was this shift in advertising, and um, Edward Bernays was known as the father of modern advertising, and he was actually the, I believe he was the nephew of, um, of Freud. And so he started to see that this idea of how our, our subconscious desires could actually sell a product just as well or maybe even better than our logic. So like previously to the 1930s, people sold things, um, you know, based on clear logic, like this soap cleans better than that soap. Whereas they started to realize that, oh no, we could actually make, um, I don't know what an example would be, but like soap could be an example of like sexual attraction or desire. Um, and, and so yeah. they realized that they could tap into this very powerful, um, deeper space of like um, make it, like making us feel um, a certain way by purchasing a product and with this though I think there was this um, not so great thing that happened where um, especially with when it comes to this idea of marketing around um, beauty and diet products we see how shame sells products and um, first of all I think if we can make um, well, I want to go ahead, actually, and I'll just read this quote that I think is a really powerful one when it comes to this idea of um, shame and insecurity selling products. So this quote comes from Paul Hamburg, who's an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He says, the media markets desire, and by reproducing ideals that are absurdly out of line with what real bodies really do look like, the media perpetuates a market for frustration and disappointment. Its customers will never disappear. Hmm. And so... What we start to see in advertising is this purposeful elicitation of, uh, of shame for um, the purpose of selling products. And so I think that that has been um, a huge piece of this. And also, uh, you know, we see models who are um, significantly underweight to the point of meeting oftentimes uh, criteria for anorexia nervosa um, and then some. Um, and so we have these you know, ideals, beauty ideals that are 
literally unhealthy. But yeah. then we also have, um, you know, I don't know how old you are, but for me, uh, when in print media, we would have photoshopped um, images for, for advertising. And we yeah. have that, of course, today. But we also have photoshopping in, um, I mean, any kind of media we're looking at, including social media. And now the, um, you know, these essentially fake images we're looking at are not only celebrities selling products, um, but also our, our best friends, but also a lot of, um, you know, fitness and beauty influencers selling products. And so there is this like quote ideal that, um, it, which I think would be oftentimes is, um, like, uh, quote, perfect and flawless, um, because they have been digitally remastered, um, as well as we have this, um, this history of upholding and almost worshiping thinness. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. I love that you talked about um, specifically how there was this marketing shift because that's something, you know, I studied communications and just a little bit more on the public relations side, but even in that, talking about how you can really um, almost present this problem and really like hit on this problem. But the problem isn't necessarily like which, like you said, which soap, but it's something internal. It's something that like you need something, you're missing something. There's something that you're not reaching kind of this idea and that can sell pretty much anything. Um, So it's a very real pull. And especially when it comes to how we're made and how we look like something that is so it's something that we see every single day and can impact us so much if we're able to really drive shame and insecurity and you know like oh i'm not reaching this ideal around that like that's gonna completely impact our whole our whole lives so i feel like that's huge too and even i think beforehand which again, I guess, you know, it, like thinness really became an ideal later on, but going back to kind of having it be a status thing, like almost yeah. the opposite ideal was more highly, I've read like um, yeah. idolized earlier on because it's like, all right, you're working less, which means that you're more wealthy. And so, you know, maybe you're not as thin, just different things like that and having a completely different ideal. And First of all, it's just so mind boggling to me that there are even like body ideals because people are made differently. Not everybody can achieve the same body type and we act as if we can all achieve these things that like you said, are so often unhealthy. So anyway, I I love that you talked about that and and Mm -hmm. it's just so important. And I do think like, of course it's important to talk about it because it can drive such shame and insecurity and drive how we live um which is just huge and two like you talked about earlier distract us from both who god made us to be and also what he wants us to do so on the flip side then we have these we're surrounded by these toxic ideas of what true beauty can be so what is actually true beauty like what would god say that that is yeah yeah that's such a good question and honestly, Megan, it's what I've been like chasing down um, ever since I've been in um, that treatment setting I mentioned. Um, so my current working definition of, of true beauty is the life of God at work in us and among us. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, thank you. I, and so um, a couple of places where I get this from, because I should like cite um, that this isn't like a totally original idea. There's this um, theologian called Baxter Kruger, and he wrote this book called The Dance. And for him, what the dance is, is the like the love that is constantly being played out since the beginning of time between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Trinity. And so we see the dance being played out all around us in, you know, the laughter of children 
and the connection and the love between parent and child. Um, I, you know, I think we see the dance in nature and how actually nature, um, the sounds and the smells of nature actually have been created to calm our bodies, our physiology. Um, and so I think we see the dance or true beauty, the life of God at work in us and among us, um, just everywhere all the time. And I actually think that is what brings about um, unity and integration and what I would call fullness of life. Whereas, um, you know, I've, I've thought about how we know the um, the goodness of something by its fruits. And so the definition I just gave, I think, you know, like I said, leads towards integration and unity, whereas these societal ideas around beauty, their fruit is um, disintegration with our with us, like in our us and our bodies, us and other women, um, as well as I think that it also brings about um, shame, which I think, um, as Dr. Kurt Thompson talks about, shame being an, a minion of evil. And so um, that is, uh, yeah, that is my working definition of beauty currently. Yeah, I love that so much. And especially as humans, like, made in the image of God, like, that's so profound when it comes to really talking about, like, all right, if I'm going to be attacking how the Lord made me, you know, then it really, that kind of hits, that hits something else that's pretty deep there, um, I think, as well. And um, I love that you talked about that, too, because, you know, even in Scripture, it's talking about, like, a woman who fears the Lord is worthy to be praised, like, and it is so much deeper than actually how we look Mm -hmm. and, and actually, like, our identity in Christ. So I love that. Could you could you share that working definition again? Just kind of that yeah, that sentence yeah. you had. Yep, the life of God at work in us and among us. I love that. That's really beautiful. Um, um, and going back to like how it distracts us from what God wants us to do and who He says that we are. What advice? would you have for someone who is suffering with body shame or maybe even and i think this this happens a lot is even frustrated with god because of their bodies what advice or encouragement would you have for specifically you know for our conversation here for that woman who's struggling with that yeah yeah so i mean the first thing a a couple just really practical things um i would say um, you know, perhaps meeting with a non-diet or an anti-dietitian, um, mm-hmm. anti-diet dietitian can be very helpful. Uh, someone who uh, subscribes or ascribes to the um, the Hayes model, so health at every size model, can be a really helpful healing relationship and um, guide in that journey. Um, also, someone who specializes in eating disorders, as like a therapist, um, could be really a helpful guide as well on that journey. Um, and then. You know, I think taking a look at um, having an audit on what is impacting our, our minds and our hearts. And so I would take a look maybe at social media. Yeah. And first of all, I would say, um, you know, decreasing our time on social media. You know, um, I interviewed a woman who uh, she was the created a film called The Illusionists. And at that time, she it was created like in 2015 or 2016. And it was estimated in that film that by the year 2020, we'd be at the point of media saturation where we were um, exposed to 80% or 80% of our waking hours, we would ex- be exposed to some kind of media. Wow. 
and I talked to Elena Rossini, the filmmaker, um, a couple months ago, and she said she thinks we're at the point of beyond 80%. And so wow. if we think about our brains and what we know about our um, neurobiology, what fi- is what fires together, wires together. So the more of that same input we have of those messages, the more that becomes our belief system. And so I think so often today, um, someone mentioned this, and I, I think it's true that we're being like discipled. Our, our hearts, our minds are being formed by social media and whatever you know is preached there or um, kind of upheld there and so I would say you know maybe turning down the volume on that I think can be really helpful and then maybe when you do go on social media or you choose to engage it I would encourage um, you know a diverse feed meaning diverse body shapes and sizes Mm -hmm. personally I do not follow any um, fitness influencers I just oftentimes if they're trying to sell something I just don't I don't think that um that that tends to not be as a, a helpful person um, for me to follow. Um, I would also say, yeah, diverse uh, diverse body shapes and sizes. Um, maybe following non diet or anti diet dietitians. Um, but then I would say um, my other encouragement around this. Oh, two more. Sorry, it's the long yeah, answer. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, um, again, if we think about that idea of what fires together, wires together. What would it look like to spend more of our waking hours exposing our minds and our hearts to thinking about that idea of true beauty in our midst, like mm-hmm. the life of God at work in us and among us? What would it look like to experience that in all five senses? So like going outside and thinking about like, how is the life and love of God at work in this moment? Um, and just like starting to see life through that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think that that is, um, can be a powerful practice. Uh, the last thing I'll say is shame is an embodied experience. So oftentimes if you feel shame, you know, we can feel it. We all feel it differently. But for me, it, I know it's like a pit in my stomach um, and maybe, um, I don't know, a sinking in my chest. And I don't know what it's like for you or for listeners. But um, I would also say that grace is an embodied experience. And so what would it look like to actually... Uh, use with our set, like view with our senses um, and consider, maybe spend some time with God. What would it look like um, to envision like the face of Jesus, like the epitome of grace and love, like looking at you? Um, maybe you could call to mind maybe what loving eyes look like from your a parent or a loving um, friend. Um, and really try to embody like what is that what does your body feel like when you feel fully loved when you feel like the eyes of grace um, upon you mm-hmm. um, and then so you can maybe call to mind when you notice that shame is maybe taking over um, you can then have a a different um, more true experience to to draw on yeah I love that because you know like we've talked about I feel like shame is such a big driver and so to be able yes. to actually really imagine which i think is true like the lord and his heart towards us and visualizing that is really beautiful because he does just pour out his grace and you know there's no condemnation in christ and i really do believe like he just wants to lift us up and make us more like him and a huge part of that is you know allowing shame to not be part of our life but that's something too that you know, sometimes the Lord can do miraculously in us and we can just, it's, we're free from it, but sometimes it is a working, you know, work in progress. And I love that, that, that idea of really imagining like, all right, 
seeing the Lord looking at me with his eyes full of love and grace. And two, kind of like you mentioned, almost if it's helpful to depict someone you know loves you, because I think sometimes incorrectly so, but we can almost imagine the Lord, some of us, like with this, you know, wagging finger and frustrated. So to be able to imagine like, all right, this is what it looks like for somebody to love me. Now, let me imagine the Lord like in this way and even more so because he loves me more than I can ever imagine more than anybody does. So I I thought that that was helpful too, because sometimes if we say like, all right, imagine the Lord looking at me, like maybe for different people that could look very different. And so to really define that as like somebody who is looking at me with love and grace, like, and, and that's how the Lord sees us. And I really believe just wants us to feel so loved. So I thought that was a great depiction. And two, how you talked about like turning down maybe social media and all these voices around us and instead like turning up the things of the Lord and seeing like, all right, what does this look like in my day-to-day life? And um, even just how he's created nature and just seeing the beauty that he's done in that and, you know, how that can apply in my own life too and just spending more time with him. And so turning that down, but turning this up, I thought was really great too, just turning up the things of the Lord. Um And I think too, like I had another question here of like how to walk away from shame and, you know, see ourselves how God sees us. But I feel like those things perfectly explain that too, just Mm -hmm. um, diving into that. And I feel like also just really studying in scripture, like what God says about who we are might be so powerful too. But I I love those examples that you gave. That's so good. That's so good. All right. So too, just as we are like wrapping up here, where can people find more about what you've written? You have a new book out called Soul Deep Beauty. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So give us all, yeah, give us Mm -hmm. all the deets and where people can hear more of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is called Soul Deep Beauty, Fighting for Our True Worth in a World Demanding Flawless. And you can basically buy it, I think, wherever books are sold. Um, Baker Bookhouse often has been having some sales on it, so maybe you could get it a little bit at more of a discount there. Um, and then my my website is impossible-beauty.com. And so that is where I my, my podcast is housed, but you can find that on Apple Podcasts and um and Spotify and, you know, most of the other podcast places. Uh, But Impossible Beauty, I have some blogs there that I've written about authentic beauty, um, as well as there's a link to the book there and and the interviews that I've done for the podcast. And then on Instagram, I'm at melissa.louise.johnson and then at impossible.beauty. And then on Facebook, I think my page is Impossible Beauty Podcast and Blog. I think it's kind of long. (laughs) So, yes. So I think those are most of the places. Perfect. No, thank you so much. And I will be linking that book too in the, in the show notes, but thank you so much for joining us on the podcast for talking about too, this important, like I said earlier, you have gone through these things in your own life and to be able to pour that back out. Thank you for, for doing that and being vulnerable and willing to help other women as well. Um, people in general, like women and men, but specifically women, you know, um, at least for this conversation. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for all that you've shared and thanks for being on the podcast. 